Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast, brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. What are those for? I totally, if you were had something going, Jim, I totally cut it off. But you brought up the Crayola crayons that we've got in the podcast studio. I'm looking at them right now. Ryan just pointed them out. Why do we have those? No, you just started this podcast. Nobody, there's a 96 pack of crayons here. And uh, they just randomly appeared. Did you bring those, Ryan? I didn't. So there are, I, I actually Googled this when I saw the 96 pack of crayons there. There are 120 colors of Crayola crayons, Crayola crayons outside of the custom colors. And uh, I do I do wonder why Crayola would make a 96 pack. A lot of their packs are weird numbers. And I just, those poor kids out there that are OCD wondering why they couldn't have just added four more crayons into that box. Oh, man. To make it even hunt it. Yeah. Huh. It even, from a marketing perspective, I feel like the 100 yeah. would be like, oh, my God, 100. Like 96, you're like, hey, there's a box of crayons. Yeah. You ever get a 96% on a test? You think, this is awesome. I got a 96. But then you are left wondering, what the hell was that one question I missed? Yeah. Anyway. No. Well, I got a few ways. And actually, Jim, looking at the whole scenario, you, get, you guys can't see it, but actually it appears to me that my, my two little girls have been playing here because we've got the crayons and then a bunch of thumbtacks and a screwdriver, which mm-hmm. to me looks exactly like something I'd come upon them playing with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And usually... Mostly probably the like, screwdriver and the tacks. Let's see how tacks. close we can get yeah. to our eyes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so with that said... Today's podcast is a freestyle. We discuss the fact that it could be 10 minutes, but actually it's going to be way longer than 10 minutes because we want to figure out here, right now, the answer will be arrived upon. What is America's cartridge? Each one of us has come prepared with uh, a cartridge that is that is supposedly, in our minds, America's cartridge and our argument for why it is America's cartridge. So where should we start? I don't Do you know. want to start? You seem really excited about this. Well, you're really worried about people stealing yours, and you've got notes that are covered up right now. I'm surprised you don't have a trapper keeper. Speaking of, like, crayons and thumbtacks and kids and stuff, I'm surprised you don't have a trapper keeper that is just stood got it up. segmented out. You know, well, stood up between me and oh. you so that I don't cheat off yours. I didn't think Did that far ahead, you used, to, ahead, used to make, like, a fort. You'd get two trapper keepers like this, and then you'd put a mead notebook or a five-star if you're real fancy over the top of them so that you were in your own little, like... Oh, yeah. Look at you. You're real fancy with your five-star. Five star. Did Actually, you color in those stars, or did they come silver? No, they came silver. Oh, okay, a lot of kids used to get them where it was white, and they'd color them in. That meant that they oh. customized. They were artsy. Ooh, interesting. No, Jim, uh, why would I set up this giant contraption on my desk that would literally inhibit me from looking to the right or left to uh, get the uh, proper answers for the test? <laughs> That's a good point. So let, let's hear yours. I'm, I want to hear yours. In fact, uh, glad I wasn't sitting by you. All Ouch. right, here's the deal. Here's what I'm going to say. There's a new 30-06 in town and an 8 to 30-06. And I you're, love the 30-06. So your America's cartridge is actually something newer. Yes. Okay. Yes. Let's hear it. And I say this, I almost feel like my answer is going to be like vanilla in a way, but I've got so much information backing it up that I think it's just the truth. It's, it's the truth as we live today, Jim, in today's society. I'm worried that I know what you're going to say. You know exactly what I'm going to say. Uh, Should I go through the reasons before I name it? Let's hear it. Uh, let's hear it. Yep. Okay. Can you also, uh, on my little number, can you turn me down one click? Oh, sorry. No I'm, I'm, pro- I'm probably talking too well, loud because no, I'm excited. excited. That's all right. No, thank you. Perfect. All right. I'm going to go through the attributes here, and then you guys can guess what I'm talking about. Okay. I already know. And it won't even be a guess, but I'm going to just wait to guess. (laughs) All right. This cartridge has enough gas for our most popular big game species. We're talking deer, elk, black bears. I'd say primarily, right? Okay. I'll caveat that. In the scenarios, they will most likely be encountered. So we're going to 80-20 this, I think, right? Sure, sure. Uh, It's a light recoiling cartridge, gentlemen. Moderately, moderately recoiling cartridge. Okay, very different it's, than what I originally thought. It's perfect for youth and recoil-sensitive folks. It's a cartridge the whole family can use, so you can buy the same ammo for everybody. Dad's got the same. He's pushing the same pills as mom, as the kids. We're talking about a family 
cartridge here. It's oh. going to be a, a rifle, or the rifle itself can be put into packages that are great for small-framed people, too. So it's going to be easy to carry, easy to hold, easier to shoot. And I think even if you're an experienced shooter, this cartridge might make you a better shooter. Okay? So my original thought is completely out the window. Yep. That's but I, awesome. I do know what it is You now. do know what it is. Yeah. This cartridge is at home on a mountain rifle as it is on a chassis-based match gun. It's great for long range and short range. Factory ammo options abound with a variety of bullets. You want to shoot all copper? Go ahead. You want to shoot a bullet designed for long range precision? You can do that too. Readily accessible reloading components and minimal powder needed to load this cartridge. You're already saving money, Jim, on all the reloading you love to do. Okay. <laughs> He brought his A game today. He did. Oh, did he you? Did. Dr- you drank regular coffee this morning, not the unleaded stuff. Oh, dude, I'm always on the regular. Oh man, he had a monster. And yeah. this, this is going to be. I was just going to say, yeah, this is this is more the monster talking. I feel I'm actually I feel like I've had enough coffee that I'm probably at monster level right now. Uh, <laughs> adopted by the military for sniper work, and I've got a little little note here from an article that I pulled off the the interweb. It says top special operations snipers will replace. They're 7.62 millimeter sniper rifles with the, I almost said it, which doubles their hit probability at 1,000 meters, increases their effective range by nearly half, reduces wind drift by a third, and has less recoil. And Jim and Ryan, by shooting this cartridge, you essentially become a sniper by default. That's not true, but that's actually not true. (laughs) Those guys have a special set of skills. Gentlemen, I mean, everybody knows now. You know. The twenty two two fifty. Yes. <sighs> Mark, you did it. You went mainstream. I dude, it's like it's mainstream. It's basically like saying you vanilla gotta say ice it. cream. For, any, for anybody who's not still yet sure what you're talking about. Guys, this is the six five Creedmoor. And I didn't when I was going through my selection process here, I actually didn't want it to be. Let me ask But it was. Let me ask this. Uh, this is for a cartridge history buff like Ryan. Let's ask. Let's is this ask painful? This. How? Uh, yeah. For how quickly, relatively speaking, the six five Creedmoor has come on scene, mm-hmm. and to the point where Mark Boardman is on a podcast calling it America's cartridge. How, like in in relative, relatively speaking, how quickly did the three hundred eight come on? How quickly did the thirty out six come on? Is it a similar story? Because not long ago, I remember somebody saying, you should get a 6.5 Creedmoor. I said, sounds French. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Yep. I said, sounds really boutique And I didn't want to do it. And, and now here we are, not that much later, with people saying it's America's cartridge. So how, how, some of those other ones that we now see as staple cartridges, 5.56, 308, 30-06, a lot of those, did they come on just as fast? No. What, okay. Did those, were, were those ones started out in military use, and yes. so that helped yes. with them? So the, and the 6.5 Creamer is a little bit unique in that it didn't start yeah, that way? The odd six took a while. You know, its introduction to the Americans as a species would have been 1906. Of course, military adoption. We were in the 1903 Springfield, and its variations, and then the 1917, uh, and then the M1 Grand. And then we had a couple world wars in the mix there, and we had the Korean War. Uh, and then I think it, you know, by the time the Korean War rolled around, it was definitely a mainstay. But you know, you're talking about 50 years by that time. Yeah, okay. That it became America's chambering. And it is a uniquely American cartridge. And is it not popular? Like, is it only popular in the U.S.? No, not at all. Now it's, now it's a very... Very wild, wildly and widely accepted okay. route. And again, we have to take a couple of other things into the you know into consideration here, like the information age. Um, yes, you know, yeah, modern practices and manufacturing and production and this kind of thing. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, think about just the internet and YouTube that we we're just talking about a minute ago, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. the ability for that information to be distributed so rapidly. Yeah, yeah. Did uh, YouTube make the six five Creedmoor? That's a good question. Maybe. Because 111 years later, it hatched. The 6.5 Creedmoor did. And I, I can remember, I was working behind the counter in a gun shop, and it, I had the same sentiment, Jim. I'm like, what is this 
diminutive pipsqueak of a cartridge. I was mm. a big 30 guy back then. Going to be a pain in the butt to find ammo for. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Gosh, only the... like one person yep. makes a factory gun. Yep. To, to Mark's point, it is the most wildly successful round of my generation. Yep. And those still debating its merits may not have ever fired one or used one or reloaded one or anything like that. Uh, so maybe their opinion of it is not completely formed yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, it did take off like wildfire and, and got pretty big you pretty, do pretty quick. It does make you wonder if just the, te- like you said, the information age, you know, like we said, YouTube and all the internets and things, series of tubes, as we know. Yes. You do wonder if that has created such a culture of people that is more susceptible to, oh, this thing is new, let's jump on it, than, than we're back in the old days when these mainstay cartridges like 30 out 6 308, the, the, the 556 came on scene. Then it, that proceeds to make me wonder if in 111 years, the 6.5 Creedmoor will be, well, I see Sonny is going to open up the uh, safe here, yeah. and I got I to... 12, 6, 5, create mores. You know, yeah. Oh, jeez, Grandpa, we don't use those anymore. Gee, Willikers, quit, quit embarrassing me in front of my friends. <laughs> to, I, I realize I said 111 years is 101 years. 101. I'm sorry. I went to public school and didn't pay attention. That's all right. Um, yeah, it, marketing plays a big role in how, how things are accepted these days. And I would not attribute that cartridge's success solely to marketing and, and dissemination of information. It I is, don't think you can. No, it is a wildly effective round. Um, I've said wildly three times in this. It's on the mind. Yeah. I've been outside a lot today. Been, yeah, pretty wild um, lately. Yeah, pretty wildly wild. It is a really good round. And for all the oh, reasons... because of that DVD series you have. Yeah, that's right. To Mark's points, though, he does, he does touch on the very strong attributes this cartridge brings to the table. Uh, and for that, it's, it's undeniable. I think it's a really, really, really good round. I respectfully disagree for a number of different reasons, but Fair I think I, I think I came to this with a different set of rules in mind when I was trying to pick out that cartridge, and I'm really realizing that maybe I'm, I'm no the cur- no all perspectives welcome here. <clears throat> okay, and also I mean I think some of some of these things that I'm talking about here, so I think the cartridge itself has a ton of merit, yes. right? But some of these things with the availability and this and they are. Uh, a product of people thinking it's like essentially made of magic. Like, yes. oh, you, you grind up the unicorn horn and you put it in the, the Creedmoor shell and push a bull on top and, you know. Right. And the interesting thing is, is that some of the things you list in here, most things being its performance and its characteristics are not 6.5 Creedmoor firsts. Like, it's not the first right. time in history a cartridge has ever been had enough gas for most popular big game, was reasonably light recoiling, and you know some of these other performance characteristics. It's actually, I think, it's the fact that it combines those things with the fact that it's been widely adopted. It's in a lot of factory chamberings. There's a ton of factory ammunition for it. Those things don't always mix, and that's when you get sort of lightning in a bottle like this one. Yeah. Because, because what are some, I mean... What are some other like the, examples the, of cartridges that that have similar similar performance? Enough gas for big game and are reasonably light recoiling and easy to shoot. Like, what yeah. would some other examples be? Two sixty Remington. Yep. I'll say two forty three Winchester, and people are going to start throwing vegetables on the stage. Um, <laughs> uh, in the right application, three hundred eight, thirty out six, two seventy, twenty five out six, even seven millimeter Remington Magnum. I had to bite my tongue on that one. A whole bunch of because them, of but, the recoil part. Yeah, <laughs> but. To all of Mark's points earlier, we're kind of dressing up the rifle to make it work with that cartridge to make these attributes that he's highlighted possible. And I guess, like case in point, could you take a 300 Win Mag and make it very light recoiling? Yes, you can. Jim recently got a 300 Win Mag. He and I were shooting it. Oh, my gosh. And it has the same felt recoil as... My six five Creedmoor, absolutely through stock design and muzzle brake efficiency, mm-hmm. and it's and mm-hmm. it's it's a reasonably lightweight gun. Too. Yeah, correct. It's not. I, it's I think un- it's under seven pounds or just under yeah, eight pounds. It's it's under eight for sure. Yeah, and so it's. I mean, that's very packable. That's a lightweight rifle, in my opinion. It's a joy to shoot. It's not as affordable to shoot as the cartridge that Mark 
laid out. Oh, I forgot even to put affordable, just even, uh, yeah. Mark, I know why you chose it. I do, too. Mark, and also, this is a testament to the type of person that Mark is. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. Mark likes everything to be... The, the, fact of the, the fact of the matter is, Mark, you like to go hunting. Yes. That's what you want to spend your time doing. And you have limited time. Because not only are you on these podcasts, you know, a lot, but you're, you're also full-time working here. you got a bunch of other jobs around Vortex. you got a family, mm-hmm. all the other stuff, right? And so you like to have all the nonsense around it that you're not even interested in. D- just done. Done. So that you can do what it is that you love, which is being outside in the wilderness, hunting, and doing, you know, doing your thing. Practicality. Right. This is a, this is a practical selection. It is. And the 6.5 Creedmoor absolutely fits that because of everything you listed. Am I going to get rotten tomatoes thrown at me, though? No, for, I don't think so. For calling this no, America's I, cartridge? I'm playing the conversation so. out five to ten minutes in advance here as I'm, like, pleading my case. And I'm realizing that everybody's just going to, like, get off the stage. I don't think so. I don't know, man. Do it. Should we, go, should we keep going? Because keep going. We're all attacking this from possibly different angles. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with a slightly different reason for my America's cartridge. I think America's cartridge is the 62 caliber ball. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah! Because do you hear those fifes and those drums? <laughs> do you hear that? Do you hear that? Yeah. So let's go back to a time when you had us versus Britain, the UK. Is that what they called themselves back then? English. Yeah. The English. The Crown. Yes. The, the crown. Revolutionary War. And uh, the American soldiers were toting around big old 30 and a half inch bar- long barrel. What are they doing? Charlevels. Yep. They had, uh, yeah, Bessies or whatever. Yeah. And they were shooting a 62 caliber round ball. And they shot enough of those round balls inaccurately to hit some English guys and cause the English guys to say, you know what? Have it. Not worth it. And uh, I think that's pretty neat. And I also was looking into some of this stuff. Yes, I was also looking into some of this stuff because I'm, I'm not going to even pretend to be a historian or, you know, some people have probably already probably used some incorrect terminology, whatever. But I found it very intriguing when I, I looked up, immediately I thought, okay, for America's cartridge, I've got to choose whatever we, you know, founded America using. And uh, there wasn't really, when you're talking about round balls, it's, it's not really like a set, caliber or anything, you know, like you look at World War II and, oh, the M1 Grand was, you know, chambered in 30-06. Then it was sort of a mismatch. Well, they were using anything from this caliber to this caliber, and it made me wonder, how do you have this sort of range of calibers? You know, well, I mean, it was kind of a mixture. Was it that every time they made a rifle, it was kind of, well, how'd the, how'd the caliber of the bore turn out today? Yeah, that's about a 60, <laughs> you know, and then was that how it worked? And then soldiers just had to sort of figure out, well, yeah, it looks like I got a, looks like I got a 58 here, so we're going to get this little, uh, you know, ball maker. Kind of, yeah. And they're smooth bore. It depended on where, in the U.S. anyways, geographically you were, because there were some other rifles that, that or calibers rather, that uh, pulled a lot of, freedom out of the situation that were not 62. They were much smaller. Yeah. And that was out of necessity because there just wasn't anything available. And it would also depend on when the cargo ship got hijacked and then got brought to the U.S. shores and those rifles were distributed or uh, there was a lot going on. There was some there was some modernized piracy for the time. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some falsifying of documents at the time so that rifles got redirected from Europe to the Americas. Uh, to fight this war. That is cool. Yeah. And oh then my there w- gosh, this sounds like a Netflix special. <laughs> yeah. And then there was some, just some handy craftsmen that realized that lead was a very hard to find commodity. Okay. And that if you could take a 62 caliber round ball and split it in two. That's you- what I was going to ask. I mean, by going to a smaller bore diameter, are you making more, uh, more ammos? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, I heard, so this, this, um, if you compared it to shotgun gauge, mm-hmm. They were running anywhere from an eleven to a sixteen gauge with one ball. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So then and they're big. Oh, they're huge. Yeah. Big old Orb. balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. And it's true though. Nobody wants to get hit by one of those. No, huh? no, you don't. But it wild time uh, here in, in early America, colonial America. And the to give credit where credit is due to the folks that weren't able to get a French 
Charlevel uh, or a Brown Bess or whatever musket they happen to be using in approximately that caliber, they were doing whatever they could to get arms and armament out to, to troops, whether they were home guard or whether they were, you know, enlisted or, or what have you. Um, and so, you know, you had smaller calibers come out of that as well. One thing I found interesting was that if you look back at that time, there was also something called, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, the long rifle, mm. which was is something made by the German Pennsylvanians. Yep. Uh, do you guys call yourself Pennsylvanians? Or I guess if you're in Pittsburgh, you're a Yinzer. But the Pennsylvanian Germans were making these things, and they actually had grooved barrels. Yeah. And then that way you could have, so for snipers, mm-hmm. they could have accuracy apparently out to 300 meters mm-hmm. instead of the regular smoothbore muskets having accuracy-ish out to 100 meters. Yep. But they were complicated to make, so they didn't make all that many of them. Correct. But when I'm what I'm wondering is when they say they had grooved barrels. Now this is just me reading. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't have immense time to research this. But is there a difference between a grooved barrel and a rifled barrel, or were they no, just basically in, rifled? In, barrels? in concept, same same thing. Okay, so it's yeah. not like they had like straight no. grooves cut. They were actually they were spiraled. Yep. Okay. Yep. But I mean the implement. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm I am not by any means a historian either. But the the reputation for the quote American sharpshooter came from kind of being the first to use this rifling. Those fellows in the hills. They lived off of squirrels and rabbits and possums and raccoons. And and the souls of the British. That's right. And uh, so smaller calibers, for all these reasons that we talked about, easier to shoot. And at that time, we're, we're still talking, not necessarily like the money it would cost to buy the, the ball and patch and powder, but just getting lead. Yeah. And, and making that last for a long amount of time and powder. So powder was like an extremely like hard to keep viable product. You know, mm-hmm. most of the times it was kept in, in like an armory or a, a powder vault in the middle of your town and you would, you would go there and get it rationed out. Well, you can imagine when the war broke out, like all bets were off. British, I, think I, I think we can imagine yeah. actually, because uh, I'd imagine it was probably similar to, uh, let's just say maybe a pandemic breaks out. Mm-hmm. And suddenly everybody want, needs arms Yep. and yep. the ammunition and related accessories to make those arms go bang. Yep. Now, just imagine if you had to smelt your own lead and make your own balls and all that kind of thing. You need to like make a lot of them in a short amount of time out of limited resources, counting your powder as well. You're going to be making them smaller. Mm-hmm. And in turn, they were more effective too, arguably, you know, if you could place a shot well. Uh, and yeah, the long rifle culture is like a big thing. Like that's uh, that's its own subset. I heard it's uh, more complicated to load than the smoothbore yep. muskets. Yep. Just because you can't just stuff it down the, the barrel. You know, the, the pre-made cartridges or charges, whatever you wanted to call them, weren't as effective. Patching thickness and patching material was more important. And, you know, if you can imagine, if you're stuffing we'll just say a, a fibrous material, whether it's linen or paper, as wad down the barrel. And the idea is we're doing it quickly to put volume of fire downrange mm-hmm. and still maintain some level of effectiveness. If you're trying to use a patch, that's going to then get engraved and grooved by the, the lands and grooves of the rifling in the barrel. If you screw that patch up on the way down, the shot was ineffective. Mm. Okay. Or, you know, you could foul out faster. And so smooth bores didn't really have the same problems that rifled bores do in, in terms of fouling. So if you get lead fouling in a rifled barrel, now all of a sudden it becomes very difficult to load, like snap your ramrod in half. And oh, now yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you've got a war club instead of a gun. Right. Yeah, and so th- that had to be taken into consideration too. So the shooters that were running them were extremely skilled, knew that weapon very well. They knew the nuances behind it. They knew that you either had to lubricate the patches with spit or tallow or lard okay. or some other grease or oil, whereas those shooting a smoothbore, if they had pre-made charges... They could simply just bite the end off of one, pour the powder down with it, and ram the whole thing home. And then mm-hmm. you'd have this wadding material around the ball sufficient enough to make a seal down the barrel so that it didn't just go ding, 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 all the way down. You lose all your pressure and velocity, even though you kind of did. Yeah, there was a lot more practice and application with, with a rifled bore of how, a smaller diameter. How neat, I think, it would have been to have been one of these coonskin cap wearing, I can mm-hmm. only imagine, mountain people 
And uh, I mean, because a lot of this is probably happening in the Appalachian Mountains, yes. correct? Yep. So, and I did say Appalachian because uh, if you go down to Boone, North Carolina, at Appalachian State, what up, ASU? Uh, they will <laughs> correct you if you say Appalachian, straight up. Don't try it. Uh, anyway, which so, is interesting. I feel like most of the world says it wrong. Yeah, yes, I know exactly. So anyway. So, but they're in the Appalachian Mountains. How cool would it have been to have, you know, you got some, maybe, a, I, I just picture like a convoy of English soldiers, you know, and they're, oh, yes, hey, we're going to go out and fight yeah. some uh, Americans today, or I, mean, I don't know if they're called Americans at that time. So, so some some of these, you know. Tribals. Tri- yeah, basically. Colonials. And then you're up in the tree, you know, you just got done munching on a squirrel, and then, and you just start picking dudes off and then some other coonskin cap guy just down the road is also picking them off from another side and you just absolutely leave them in a complete terror and of course their first reaction is everybody get in line <laughs> i'm i <laughs> this historically accurate recounting uh, brought to you by jim yeah. i'm i'm reminded That's how it of, works in my head i'm reminded of the scene in the patriot in which i was thinking of the patriot too oh man which all yeah. the the men had been uh, driven into the swamps uh, so as to conceal their scent from the hounds and they're melting all the uh, lead soldiers down. Yeah, that's yes. what I was thinking about. Yeah. Just this motley crew of people from all walks of life, you know, brought together by the the strife of of this war that was going on, and and they're making balls for their respective muskets. So my reason, of course, oh. behind this is it is if it wasn't self explanatory enough. But you think about all the other cartridges that came out of this. Now I'm not by any means calling. The 62 caliber or whatever other caliber ball, a fantastic cartridge. Mark, you have a bazillion and one reasons as to why the 6.5 Creedmoor is a far better uh, cartridge than those. But the 6.5 Creedmoor, 30 out 6, the 308, the 556, the 1911 pistol, which I don't hate. Can, can we make that? Okay. I'm going to remake I- that clear. The AR 15, all these. Fantastic things that we enjoy to this day. My Weatherby rifle you were talking about in 300 Wind Mag would never have been a thing had it not been for that ball of lead. Let me let me add to that, Jim. Let me add to that. All right, my my beloved little six five Creedmoor that I've got all these. You know, yeah, I like it because of this and that, and you can do this. I might not even be allowed to have a firearm. Ding 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 ding. There you if go. That's another for that fantastic I mean, I, point. I'm over here uh, thinking about myself while uh, Jim's dumping tea in the harbor, the haba. I'm thinking about all of you, our listeners, our li- Vortex Nation podcast. All that, right, that was good. Anyway, that was good, Jim. Try and follow that. That one was up. good. Try and follow that one up, Ryan. What'd I'm gonna bring you back in time. Oh jeez, oh, <laughs> we're gonna go to a little place called Clovis, New Mexico. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to talk about the Clovis Point as America's projectile. Oh, okay. Uh, but it would be a good one to talk about America's projectile and its beginnings. I don't uh, even know what that is. What there, is the, do I sound stupid for not knowing what no, that is? I, no. I mean, the Clovis Point was a revolutionary projectile design unique unto the Americas, which is, I don't know, that's kind of been debunked, too. So if anybody's uh, you know, big into like paleontology. I feel like it's kind of like widely distributed style though yeah, isn't yeah it? it was it was very interesting because similar points have been found in Europe and and um, you know Asia and that kind of thing too uh, dating back to similar time frames so it's almost like somebody had a blueprint and they you know America and what we know of it maybe was a lot different but uh, yeah so there was this particular style of point called the Clovis point and was hmm. it was I feel like there's there's like a pre Clovis clo- look it up yourself yep. everybody I'm sharp, up. sharp rock sharp rock um, was that like an arrowhead yeah, kind of. Spearhead, oh. arrowhead, point design, means of manufacturing. For guns or for... No, 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 no. no. Oh, no, no, no. oh, okay. Now I, I was I, just, I was just. I'm being, trying to think of like what bullet. I was just being smart. All right. Well, now I sound like I was an being idiot. a real jerk. Um, right. Real rotten apple. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for America's cartridge, I, I, I can't really follow that up. I was going to pick a the uh, thirty out six and or three hundred eight. I was tied between the two. Oh, that's not what I thought you were going to pick. No, no. So those two. And I guess when I looked at this, I thought, okay, cartridges for Americans and the things that we do and the things that we hunt uh, and the things that we shoot. If I had a guy or gal call me up and say, listen, I'm not going to follow your path, Ryan, and have so many different rifles and so many different cartridges that you have a hard time picking. I'm going to invest in one. And I'm going to hunt everything from whitetails in Wisconsin to javelina in Arizona 
to doll sheep in Alaska and everything else in between. We get asked this question a lot, actually. We, yeah. And for me, and again, I'm taking the perspective of the hand loader and running the assumption that I have a smattering of projectile weights and styles available to me. There is no, in my opinion, two finer choices for the, the American hunter. And actually, I'd spread that out to the global hunter because there's not a lot that you can't take. With, well, there's an old saying, it's nothing that a man can't fix with $700 in a 30 out six. I believe that to be true. A lot of big game tags are under 700 bucks. Um, and a 30 out six is more than adequate. Or the 308. The two are almost synonymous in my book in terms of performance and application. Mm-hmm. The out six will edge it out here. The 308 will have a couple attributes that are better there. There's a lot that we can put into this pie to end up basically at the same dessert at the end of all of this. But that caliber, 30, those two cartridges with the appropriate loadings, there's nothing on this continent that you should feel inadequate chasing with the right application. I can't say the same for the 6.5 Creedmoor. This is true. Yes. So take that with a grain of salt, if you will. I can load in my, we'll just pick the 30 out 6, 220 grain round nose projectiles, heavy slow moving that's big time yeah for for punching through very heavy bone and hide and i could easily go out and take american bison i could take brown bears yep I, you know uh that would all be doable well no and notice on my list here mm-hmm. i've left a few things off mm-hmm. so i'm i'm making that not not not, not, not that you that. couldn't kill any of these things that we're talking about with six five because you certainly could absolutely it may not be my first recommendation. No. We have a guy here at Vortex that, that took an American Bison with a 6.5 Creedmoor. Yep. Worked fine. Oh, well, that's right. Yeah. So, question. Those two, mm-hmm. 30 caliber, why then those two over, like, the 300 Wind Mag? Sure. I, I'm, I'm trying to peg it in my head as to what it is about the Yacht 6 or the 3-odd three, the 8. I'll, I'll maybe... When, hipster and try and call it that. When but. we get to the recoil cost and size parts of this breakdown, when you step into a 300 wind mag, you do go up notably in recoil. So with a, a, an odd six, we're getting a, a very good portion of the performance that you get out of the 300 wind mag with a remarkably smaller powder charge. Okay. So, you know, you might be pushing 190 grain projectile at we'll say 2950 i could probably push that same projectile out of a 30 at six at 2800 and so downrange like at least with respect to the ranges that i'd be comfortable shooting a game animal you would see no appreciable difference Mm -hmm. so my question why if i'm loading 60 grains of powder would i decide to load 72 to 75 grains of powder for meager performance advantage yeah i guess i guess Maybe I'm spoiled because of my 300 wound mag, mm-hmm. but I've gotten behind some 30 out sixes before that it's like eh, I don't like shooting that very often. Right, and, and you know, and, and that's true. And again, and this is where you could sit and whittle that argument down and end up at the six five creed more really easily because it's like, well, I don't like shooting that out six. Well, if I take the muzzle break off my wind mag, it's going to be worse yet. But if I look at the downrange performance of the six five creed more, I might as well be shooting that thing. But then you add some other thing into the mix, like three feet of elk to penetrate. Mm-hmm. And we talk about, you know, bone structure and hide thickness and muscle tissue and that kind of thing. Well, well then would the 6.5 Creedmoor be the best choice for that? I don't know. Maybe it depends not. who you talk to. So for me, I thought, okay, with the, with the odd six, I've loaded that cartridge with 125 grain projectiles, and I've actually loaded up to 240 grain projectiles in the same case. I've got the brass, I've got the dyes, I've got the powder, I've got the time mix them all together. I can make it a super flat shooting coyote round, if that's what I was going for. And I could make it a very effective, medium dangerous game round, if that's what I was going for. All in the same gun, all in the same case, all in the same package. Marco, what, what? was that Was that smile you just shot over here? Where do you draw your line, Mark? Oh. I feel like I'm going full circle. Okay, uh, here's the question. <laughs> Ryan's talked me back into the 30 odd Here's the question that I would ask. My oh. first big game, my first and second big game rifles were 30 odd sixes. Here, here's, the, here's the question I always ask. I clearly haven't talked you into a 62 caliber ball. Not yet. All right. 
if I'm close. If you had to have one gun and you looked at the amount of time and money you might invest in a caribou hunt in Alaska, mm-hmm. knowing that there's things on the ground there that also want to eat you. Oh, absolutely. Would the 6.5 be your choice? No. That's why caribou and Alaska animals aren't on my list here. Right. I was ta- I'm talking... It is in America. <laughs> mm. Like I said, I was 80-20. No, I, for the 80-20, you are correct. But his option allows you to hunt basically 100. Everything. And, I mean, maybe not quite as, you know, here, hand it to little Lucy, you know, over here who's right. 10 years old and well, all Well, if I put a muzzle brake on it, though, then... You think? Yeah, I mean, would you... It's a bigger gun. I would, it's okay, be a so like if, bigger if you gun. could make a .30-06 recoil, like that 300 wind mag, or less... I could. Then I would, and then I would easily then be you. like, hey, yeah, kid, like, you're not even going to feel this. Right. My... So switching gears a little bit, going to 308 because ballistically very similar cartridge. I've got a Kimber Mountain Ascent, uh, weighs four pounds, 13 ounces. It has a muzzle brake on it. When I shoot the ammunition that I like to hunt with out of that gun, it has less felt recoil than my Tika T3 and 243 without a brake. Right. That is interesting. Yes. So again, you, you could you could pick a cartridge and you could be like, well, this because this, but I could modify a rifle to nullify any argument that you would make about things like recoil. So how about like a factory gun, though? Because to Mark's point, factory gun, you yeah. pick off the shelf. When I very first started shooting my 6.5 Creedmoor Ruger American, no break, nothing, straight up gun with a scope on top. It was like, oh, that's nice. So are the, is there a factory easily attainable option where you can pull it off and be like, yep, I'll throw a scope on it. It's nice to shoot. Enormous yeah. amounts of guns these days come with threaded muzzles. Um, okay. In a, the U.S., as much as we talk about 62 caliber balls securing our freedom, um, suppressors are kind of new on the scene uh, for a lot of folks. Like you can now get them in some states where you couldn't before. I'm from Minnesota. You could never touch a suppressor unless you were like a law enforcement agency or a special type of manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you can go down to the gun shop, you can pay your $200 tax stamp, you got to wait like 10, 11, 12 months, 13 months, and you can get a suppressor and hunt with mm-hmm. it. And they've advanced quite a bit because it was was not long ago that I remember my older brother, who's been on this podcast, Sam, getting a suppressor, and it looked like a tack-welded yes. muffler can yeah. with a hole drilled in. And it was trunk. not as quiet as the new ones are. No, and yeah. it was also like, oh my gosh, look at this thing, it's state-of-the-art. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, most factory guns do have the ability to affix a muzzle device of some kind. And we'll just say muzzle brake because not everybody's in a position to purchase a suppressor. Or you may not even be able to own a suppressor in your state. Sure. Sorry. But Hats off to you. Right. Uh, with the addition of a muzzle brake. Jim will work on that with his 62 caliber 62, A couple ball. of 62 caliber balls. And, well, let's not, let's not promote that. No. No. Um, no. no. <laughs> uh, but you could, theoretically, accomplish 95% of the same things that Mark is talking about with the addition of a muzzle brake. Okay. Here's what I'll say. I will concede to Ryan for hunting, mm-hmm. for hunting, one cartridge to do it all probably the the 30 out six yeah you got or the 300 short make okay i was waiting that's right i mean the elephant in the room is the fact that i was i was ready for you to say the 300 short and then you started saying some of these other things about light recoiling i was like well that's out the window because i wasn't looking at this from strictly right right right. hunting perspective so that's fair you know the thing with if you go if you if you choose a 30 out six though in this day and age you're gonna have a lot more explaining to do to the ignorant. Exactly. If you get a 6.5 Creamer, you get a 6.5 Creamer, and everybody's just kind of like, oh, okay, cool, yeah. You get a 30 out 6, and they're like, oh, hold on. You get You got a what? Yeah. And then you got to go, and then you got to explain, I mean, everything you explain, well, you know, the characteristics and the ballistics and the... And what kind of world do we live in where we have to justify our cartridge selection? Yeah, I mean, seriously. It's uh, cartridge, a lot of cartridge bullying going on out there. Oh, there is. There is Cut a lot. Cut it out. Yeah, it happens all the time. Baloney. All right, I'm, I'm curious... I went the route of more historic, historical American. You know, what is it, what, what's right. America's cartridge, historically speaking? What, you know, when I think of the old stars and bars waving in the sky, I think of the 62 caliber ball. Uh, if I were to pick one, it, more the route, the, the practical route that you guys went, I would probably pick, and I'm, uh, I do think 
it is worth mentioning the twenty two long rifle. Mm. Oh I boy! Think, yep. I think that is a I think that is a cartridge that actually it is it, actually a mixture of practical and patriotic because many a shooter and hunter in this day and age was introduced to shooting and hunting with a twenty two long rifle, mm-hmm. and uh, and and even as you age and you become more experienced and you get the odd six and the six five creed more and the whatever you always have a 22 you never grow out safe you never grow out of just the little kid in you that wants to just shoot pop cans or whatever you know hunt small game so i do think that that is uh that is an honorable mention i feel like aren't a lot of survival rifles in usually. 22. Usually yeah. that's what i find it we talk about all these cartridges all the time oh this and that and that's better and then somebody goes oh oh you want to survive well, if you want to live, you better. You should have told me. Twenty-two. Here it is. That's true. That is interesting. That the survival rifle <laughs> thing tends to be twenty-two. So, oh, it's really gone bad. You need this. You you'd have to really start breaking this down categorically, and we'd have to say America's cartridge for shooting matches and hunting, or America's cartridge for only hunting, or yeah, America's but- cartridge for. Youth or America's cartridge for survival. Yeah. And we'd have to. Let's, here's here's the thing. I gotta gotta peel back the veil. If we pick one America's cartridge though, and then we pretend that all those caveats and little exceptions don't exist, then a lot of people get up in a tizzy and they comment on us our post on Instagram. And then when they comment more on Instagram, then more people see the post. And then you know, so God, it's a vicious cycle. It is a vicious cycle. I feel like so. Anyway, like- that's why we're going to blatantly try and make. <laughs> I had I had to say that though. That's what a lot of podcasters and Instagram influencers won't tell you. When you get mad, they get we more get glad. likes. We get I, glad. The, the thing that, like Jim, you said, you, you've got you got the stars and stripes, the patriotic. Yeah, let's hear your example. Well, well what's and your then on that? and then Ryan is like in the middle, like very stars and stripes, patriotic. I mean, the thirty out six has a has a place in American history. It's mm-hmm. awesome for any big game hunting that you want to do. I mean, ultimate versatility. And, and America. And then now I feel like I'm at the club in my shiny shirt. Well, well I mean, he, you I know, mean, I, a little bit. You're sort of like, uh, you know, yeah. now that he said that, I took golf when I was a kid for one summer. And I didn't know anything about golf. And I thought this could, you know, my, my folks thought, oh, you know, get him into golf. It's good. He's gets outside, walk around, a little athleticism. Good skill to have, play it yeah. for life. And I showed up there and there was a gentleman you know, we were probably seven or eight at the time that was there. He was a, he was a golf family. You know, his dad golfed. He had a membership at the club in town. And I showed up. I, I, I remember I was wearing a T-shirt, and on it was a, a picture of a bunch of kids playing tennis. <laughs> and he looked was it at one me. of those Life is Good T-shirts? I don't know what it was. It, okay. was, it was like there was like a tennis. Oh, wait. The Good Life. Yeah. I had one of those shirts. I had like a guy. A little stick figure guy like a bike or something. Well, no, this was like, it was like a picture of a guy in front of a mansion and like he was on his like, leaning on his Corvette. No, it wasn't a Corvette. It was a Porsche. Very different shirt. And it said the good life. And I was like, that is the good life. I was wearing probably shorts at the time. Yes. And so I showed up. I've got these clubs that my, my dad picked up at a garage sale. They were made of wood for the drivers. And here this youngster had some sort of, I don't know anything about golf, so fancy stuff. And he said, huh. Where's your collared shirt, Muckenhern? And I remember thinking right then and there, I hate golf. And Mark, when you said that, <laughs> when you said that right there, Mark, that's what I flash back to. Yeah, you mind. just relived that whole experience. It was hot that day. I golfed. I went through the whole thing. Um, and I thought, <laughs> whatever. I bet he doesn't shoot a 30-odd six, though. I bet he shoots a Creedmore. Oh, well, it's kind of <laughs> not nice. I'm just saying. What's your, your stars and bars version? Like, just straight up, if you think about America, what cartridge? Oh, man, stars and bars? I'm surprised Ryan, Ryan didn't say 3040, Craig. <laughs> Theodore Roosevelt said something about the 3040. I mean, it's a good cartridge. I mean, yeah. The, Span- the Spaniards had seven miles or so. Outclassed, outclassed the, uh, the Americans. Here's the thing. In terms of just, like, patriotism and stars and bars and all that stuff, if you, if, again... The old, like, muskets, I'm not going to go around and say, well, you know, if you're going to go out and hunt, you know, elk, I'd suggest right. a musket. So, but just in terms of, I mean, isn't the 3040 Craig didn't, like, everything get birthed out of the 3040 Craig? A lot of things did. A lot of things did. But it was to improve it, 
it's where it was right. it, its shortcomings were well, identified. everything has always been to improve the last right. version but you always have to look yeah, back at the OG you you get you get to that OT6 and you get like what else can you really improve what are you going to take away to get better mm-hmm. that's fa- that's fair i just you love the 3040 Craig, so i'm surprised it's you good didn't cartridge say it. man it's it's really good 30 US i don't know like you say jim and i just feel like i'm going in mental circles here because how you want to attack it dictates the outcome, and also you don't want to not do justice to significant history, sacrifice, just importance in, I don't know. Can I say one I don't have thing? it. I don't have it. You yeah. know? I, What's that, Ryan? If you look at some of the most successful commercial cartridges today, they're spawn, spawned excuse me, from the 30-odd-6. We did a whole thing. I on it. think we did um, in the hundredth episode. Some people have actually asked us to talk about the thirty out six specifically. I think the thirty out six has come out very often, so we just kind of forget to like have a specific episode about it. Uh, we did do a little bit in our hundredth episode. You can go back and check it out. Make the thirty out six great again. Still is great though. So I feel as though I'm pretty set on you know sixty two cal ball aside. I still will stand to that to this day as 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 the birth cartridge of America. But I mean, what do you think, Mark? I mean, it seems you know like what? America's cartridge. I'm I'm going to stick. I'm going to stick with my answer, and here's You're why. Stick with it, and here's Your why. Your shiny shirt. I feel like you. I feel like I should call you. Like you should be wearing some white pants. People <laughs> should call you Ernesto, and you should have a cool chain. Dare to dream. Here's what. Here's what. Here's why. Las Vegas. Here's why I'm sticking. Drinking Fiji water with your caviar. At this point in time, well, we're you probably guys, the only I don't know. You guys aren't whatever Vegas. you guys are describing. You're not talking me out of it. <laughs> How can we talk Mark out of it? That's right. We forgot. Here's here's why I'm I'm going I'm coming full circle back to my own original answer for this debate. Let's, I think we can accurately call this a debate because I've flip flopped about five or six times. So I might as well flop back to my <laughs> own answer. And here's my reasoning: all the stuff I listed listed. And there is a significant military component, which I feel is super patriotic. And we live in the now. We don't live in the past. We can definitely learn from history. And that's where we learned to make the 6-5 Creed more. That's what I got. That's pretty good. Some golf clapping going on in the background right now. Mm -hmm. That's what I got. That's what I got. And And here we are. Mark is on the final call. (laughs) He's going to try and make his uh, last argument for the 6-5 Creed. And (laughs) the call is out. And... I just don't know if it's good or not. I can't. I can't tell whether or not you sunk that putt. I'm on the fairway. Yeah, I'm gonna have to stick with the. Thir- I'm gonna have to stick with the odd six. America's cartridge. <sighs> Maybe I'll switch mine back to to the thirty out six <laughs> because I love hunting so much and I want to be able to be comfortable when I'm around dangerous game. Let's just let's reiterate for those out there who because a lot of this was around hunting. But let's reiterate too for the the precision shooter. You know, well, okay, you guys, thirty out six. That's cool and all for hunting. You know, I mean, I get it. My uh, my cousin Eddie had one, right? You know, yeah, he hunted. Eddie, uh, but good guy. But now, you know, but hey, but I, but I, I shoot precision rifle. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Uh, I shoot it though. <laughs> Got a shiny shirt. So, <laughs> so you're thirty out. You're thirty out six. Lots of flare. You're thirty out six. Just doesn't do, do it for me. What do you say to that? You know what? Uh, with respect to that, I wouldn't go golfing with a baseball bat either. But I sure as heck wouldn't take to the how about uh, a hockey stick, though. I would. Yeah, hey, Gilmore yeah, that's true. I wouldn't take to the batter's mound, America's sport, baseball, with a nine iron. Did that? Uh, yeah, I strung that together just now. I don't. I don't mean to ruin the moment. What? I wouldn't go golfing. So you, you wouldn't shoot precision rifle. Oh yeah, I was sorry. I got with, a little I got I got a little vain about golf again. No, that's a, that's fair. <laughs> You're right. That's no. Fair. I okay, with respect to the folks that want to do that kind of thing, there are certainly better applications than the 30-06 Springfield for doing precision rifle for a number of different reasons. I was waiting for you to be like, "No, it's perfect. It's the best choice." I mean it is. If you like the 308 and you can handle a little bit of recoil, you'd be a real baller to go out to that range with a 30-odd six. Yeah. An effective muzzle brake, and you wouldn't be that far off. No. Yeah. I mean, heck, we had that little lightweight uh, Kimber Mountain Ascent in odd six that I took 
bear hunting. Nothing we did. Was I'll tell you, easy we did shoot. We and did. ballistically, we talked about this before. Maybe even in the, it was the same ballistics as yeah. the odd six. Yeah. Or excuse me, as the Creed. six five Creed. So. I think you have to look oh, at God. again. This is it's a never-ending debate. If you're going to shoot PRS or a similar game, consider something like the six five Creedmoor, because you wouldn't need all the things that the thirty out six right. brings to the table. You only need a few of the things the thirty out six brings to the table. Right. Um, well, the thirty out six is definitely then, bigger medicine. To pick one, this also then needs to come down to not only what is America's cartridge, but a, but a lot of our conversation was around hunting. We also need to figure out what is America's shooting pastime. It is long range rifle hunting or long range. Shooting. Yeah, that's true. There's just too many. There's there's too many minuses in each category for any particular cartridge to get into. If it's the six five, it's probably a little light for Browns, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to hunt brown bear with six five Creedmoor. If it's a thirty odd six, it's probably got a little too much recoil for the PRS game. You're already using a twenty two pound gun. I don't know that you can, Jim. I think that's why we have golf courses and we have baseball diamonds and you can you just said american sport is baseball well, you look at golf though, though they got like baseball. 19 cartridges in, in one bag they all they do, do. That's they, true. they do they do maybe you've arrived on a point everyone should walk around with a golf cart full of guns in different chamberings and just uh, well okay here we are i got a 500 yard shot gonna need to take down a brown bear i'm gonna pull out the 30 <laughs> on six you got a caddy who follows you around and says oh yes it's interesting i see the wind is coming out of this direction quite strong so you're gonna want something with a high bc i've just come to the realization when you said that the caddy is the spotter of golf yes oh my gosh my head is blown that your gun safe is your golf bag it's just oh, a lot heavier boy how do you i still think the answer is 30 out six because of its undeniable utility yeah, I'm going to go with that as well. And I'm going to say that a gentleman could be... Or gentleman woman. Yeah, gentle lady. Could be as effective on the PRS course with a 30 out 6 as he could in the field, as she could in the field with a 30 out 6 But you may be undergunned with a 6.5 Creedmoor. I'm changing my answer. I'm going back to 30 out 6 There you have it, folks. If anybody's listening that would like to have extended to them a digital handshake and high-five... Build yourself a PRS rig, chamber it in 7.62 by 63 millimeter, a.k.a. 30-06, and go shoot some PRS. You'd be my hero. Mine too. I like it, guys. All right. I think we covered a lot of really important ground here. I think we did too. Well, with that said... There you have it. There you have it. Okay, let's hear your thoughts on what you think America's cartridge is, even though we're right. Even though, yeah, we've settled the argument. Right. But we'll, we'll still entertain your thoughts. Yes. Let us know. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. All right. That'll wrap it up for this episode of the Vortex Nation podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hit that subscribe button so you can always stay up to date on the latest happenings over here at the Vortex Nation podcast. Leave us a review or comment down below. We want to hear what you have to say about the show, maybe what you like, maybe what you didn't like, so that way we can make these podcasts as good as they can be. You can also follow us on Instagram at Vortex Nation Podcast. We'll be posting about each episode released so that way you can go back, find these things, maybe grab a little nugget of information that you can take with you to the range, out in the field, or uh, maybe to the kitchen if we're talking about some good food. So again, everybody, thanks and happy hunting and shooting. We appreciate it. Have a good one.